We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Jack Manuel here for another Brooklyn Buzz, joined by regular co-host Justin Thomas. Justin, how are we? Uh, doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Uh, almost the end of the week. Uh, so, you know, just looking forward to the weekend, man. You know how it is. We're always living for the weekend, my guy, living for the weekend. But we're also living for Nets basketball, and that's why we are back for another Brooklyn Buzz. And we're doing part two of our player grades that we did a little bit ago. If you haven't checked that one out, we dived really deep into a heap of the players, getting into the rest of the roster. And we're going to start with a non-player. We're going to start with the Brooklyn Nets head coach, Jacques Vaughn. Now, Justin, I know you and plenty of people at Nets Republic, your former workplace, as well as plenty of people on Nets Twitter have thoughts on our man Jacques Vaughn, the man who also possesses my name. If you were to grade Jacques Vaughn's tenure as a Brooklyn Nets head coach so far, what would it be? Oh, man, it's it's weird, right? Because it almost feels like a tale of two seasons where you had first half before the trades Jacques Vaughn and then you had after the trades Jacques Vaughn. And, you know, if I was... I guess I got to kind of do it like that. If I had to do it first half, I would say, hey, I mean, we all were kind of under the assumption that Jock Vaughn was going to be a guy that could possibly lead the team to a deep playoff run. And he was a guy that many had in coach of the year candidacy, candidacy talks. And then, you know, all hell breaks loose. The trades happen. And then Jock Vaughn is trying to coach a team that's kind of been put together on the fly. And I think a lot of the, his coaching deficiencies were exacerbated because you didn't have the stars to kind of clean up the mess. And, you know, we, we saw it in the playoffs, uh, even just down the stretch, just kind of questionable rotation decisions, why some guys were getting minutes, why some guys weren't. Um, it, it, it was just kind of like a, a, a weird thing where it's at one point, this guy was so good and so, so revered amongst Nets Twitter. And then another point it's, all right, I can't believe we really gave this guy an extension. So if I had to give him an overall season grade, I'll probably give him a, a C. It's it, I'd have to say it, it's not really fair to him, especially the second half of the season, for what they threw together, right? You're put, pretty much putting together three different teams into one and saying, hey, you know, make lemonade out of, you know, salt and pepper. So I give him a C. Obviously, if I was to grade it in terms of halves, the first half is an A. The second half would be probably a D minus. So I guess it kind of evens out in the middle with a C. So look, whether we like it or not, we're kind of, I guess, stuck with him 
for the foreseeable future and maybe with an a training camp with these guys uh, fully in and you know everybody has their full feet on the ground in Brooklyn and not one foot out, one foot, you know, in. Maybe things are different and, you know, gets a new coaching staff around him with assistance, bring in more of his guys. You might be having a different story. But, yeah, overall, I think I'll give Jock, just out of fairness, uh, a solid C. I'll go C-. minus. Yeah, I mean, I was I was waiting. I'm like, oh, he's going to say that's kind of like nice from Justin there. I was like, I was thinking C minus. I mean, you are generally on the same way when it comes to this sort of stuff. But I think it is fair to look at it holistically and break it down like you did because you know with Kevin around and Kyrie Irving, the Nets were on like an 18-2 streak. You know, the Nets were looking like a finals contender, and then you know things changed, and and a lot of that was out of his control. And what he did control, you know, he still did some positive things. Like we looked at the postseason, the defensive game plan against the Sixers was solid. The Nets should have won a lot more games. Some of that was on Jacques Vaughn and some of his rotations and some of the little X's and O's that he didn't do well. You know, getting out coached by Doc Rivers, you know, it's happened to Joe Mazzullo in this Boston Celtics series as well. So Doc Rivers is suddenly becoming a, a decent enough playoff coach. But I sort of looked to Jacques Vaughn and go, okay, what is the best version of you? And I think I said this to Nick before, and you might have heard it as well. I think you might have maybe even mentioned it as well. Like, he can be a Ty Lue-ish sort of coach because I think he has this, some of his strengths though is like his enigmatic personality. There's there's something about him in terms of like a, as a leader of people. Like there's you know you you want to buy into this sort of guy. He's got all the pleasantries. He's got all the he says all the right things. He's chewing the gum. He's not clapping as much. He's he's getting riled up. All those different sort of things. But there's also somewhat of a simplistic nature to that as well, where he's not Eric Spolstra. He's not these sort of guys that think a little bit deeper about the game and sort of see the game and can react to the game a bit more in the moment. And maybe that'll come with the experience of you know having you know, 30, 40 games with this sort of team heading into next season. But as you alluded to, you know the, there's going to be a new slew of assistant coaches. You know, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, you know, reported that you know there's a lot of guys going. Tiago split all these sort of guys. They're only really retaining guys that are like G League coordinators, video sort of guys. So, and now we have guys like Mike Budenholzer, Nick Nurse, a lot of these sort of guys who are head coach caliber available to bo- to bolster the Nets coaching ranks. Now, I'm intrigued to see what Jacques Vaughn does because. I think a good coach surrounds himself with good people as well because, you know, Sam Cassell's with Doc Rivers and you know, there's all these sort of people, you know, Dave Yeager's with Doc Rivers as well. So that collective can make up for, you know, the weaknesses and inefficiencies that, you know, you might have personally, you know, I've, I'm lucky enough when I get to record with you and Nick, you make up for my inefficiencies that, that I have. So I think, if we can bolster that, that grade can become you know, maybe a B because we've seen the good and we've seen the bad. And the in-between is probably where I see Jacques Fawn as a head coach. I don't see him as one of the worst head coaches in the NBA. He's not Steve Nash by any means. But I don't see him in the, the tier of, you know, yeah, yeah, M.A. Udokum when he was with Boston. You know, that one hurts a little bit. That stings a little bit. But, you know, he's not Eric Spolstra. He's not these sort of guys. Um, and maybe, you know, James Borrego gives some offensive creativity now that Igor Kokoschka has gone. I'm just fascinated to see how it all pans out. And I think that, for me, that's going to be about Jacques Vaughn finding the right people in the right roles and hopefully prioritizing some development staff as well. So you know, if Cam Thomas, Darren Sharp, Nick Claxton, these guys are sticking around for the long term, they can improve or be given the opportunities to show some improvement because a couple of years ago, we were, you know, I remember chatting with a mate. He was like, you guys have like the dream team of assistant coaches with Mike D'Antoni and Mayu Doka, these sort of guys. And I'm just like, yeah, it's Steve Nash's shit, but he's got these guys behind him. So it makes him look good. Look, Jacques Vaughn isn't shit average but if you put like some really quality guys around him 
then the Nets could be, uh, you know, it would improve them. You know, I don't know how many wins it gives them, but I think having a good coach gives you an extra three to five wins. I'm not sure what you think. Yeah, no, absolutely. We, we, we've seen that coaching can win you ball games. Coaching can lose you ball games. And we saw Jock Vaughn kind of lose his fair share of ball games down the stretch for the Nets. But as you alluded to in the playoffs, I thought Jock's defensive game plan was fantastic in terms of stopping and beat. Unfortunately, the Nets just didn't have enough offensive firepower to really go up against the Sixers. And you had some really good shooting performances by some of the Sixer role players, but that just comes with, again, continuity and chemistry being together all season or multiple seasons, as opposed to just being thrown together for a month and a half. Um, You know, and I I like what you said about, you know, maybe getting back to some of the development. I think that's what something that's been lacking on the Brooklyn Nets. It was kind of what they hung their hat on when Kenny Atkinson was here, right? And you saw the development of D'Angelo Russell and Chris LeVert and Jared Allen. and like Bring back Kenny? I don't know. You know, (laughs) Kenny's assistant. At this point, I don't know, because if if I'm Kenny, I'm I'm not leaving the Warriors as an assistant to go be with the Nets. I mean, you you got a a free trip to the to to a ring every single year. Right. But I think maybe that's that that, that's what we'll see different. I think a big gripe for Nets fans with Jock Vaughn also was how he used Cam Thomas or the lack thereof of use of Cam Thomas. And perhaps maybe with a new coaching staff, maybe a more developmental coaching staff, you'll see Cam get more opportunities. And yeah, me personally, like I that was one of my biggest gripes with jock is how he was handling cam and like things he would say in post games. And like, it almost seemed like you're trying to tear down a young player, which obviously I don't think jock is trying to do that. Um, he seems like a very good players coach. Guys love him. They love playing for him. The X and O's I think will come hopefully eventually, but as a player's coach, I don't think you could ask for any much anymore. He fights with the guys. He's not afraid to get a technical foul. He's, he's in the reps here. He's always fighting for it for 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 his players so yeah you know every once in a while you might see the the whole thing of like wow like why is he not playing cam you know he put he, he dropped 40 points in three straight games why is he getting dmps why is he harping on the fact that the nets lost those games when cam was going off when hit cam's next best teammate was probably you know david duke jr or edmund sumner right um but you know the way he handles the media i think is really really good he doesn't give anybody any fodder for the media, it, what what you see is what you get with Jock, which is pretty uh, commendable. Uh, so again, I don't think any fan base absolutely loves their coaching staff. I mean, you can find Warrior fans that have a problem with Steve Kerr, right? You could have, you know, you probably had Celtic fans last year that had a problem with Ime Doka. So it's we're we're in it for the long haul, I guess, with with uh, with, with Vaughn until management says otherwise. But yeah, I, I think it's it's almost a wait and see process. We have no other choice. So, yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of our the stuff that we're, we're discussing will be our, our criticisms and our misgivings will be swayed if there is you know, a greater collective buy-in from the assistant coaches. If you know, Joe Sy puts his money where his mouth is like he did when he first came in and goes, you know what, give me Mike D'Antoni, give me Steve Clipper, give me all these sort of guys. And it, it just bolsters the the depth of knowledge about basketball because, look, Jacques Vaughn's you know, a pretty knowledgeable guy, pretty smart dude when it comes to basketball. But it's just like if he has a different voice in his ear saying, hey, maybe we throw Cam out there for 10 minutes. Maybe we throw, like, you know, what's the point of throwing Seth out here for – and look, maybe that's a, a general manager at front office sort of thing. And I would not be surprised at that. We're not going to – maybe we'll grade Sean Marks in the future. Maybe we'll do like a big discussion, the Sean Marks episode. I'll have to put on my Kiwi accent with you and Nick to, to do that one. But in saying that, uh, I, I think that Jacques Vaughn is a, a fine enough head coach, which is why I think the C minus grade sort of reflects that. And I think that he has potential to be better. But I think that he needs to find ways to look beyond – his own irrationality. It's just like, why are we playing Seth here? Why is Joe getting minutes here? Like, where's Yuda? Where's Edmund? And, you know, there's times where he's experimental, like that defensive game plan, you know, great experimentation. And, and it worked for the most part. There was times where Spencer was wrong in those sort of switches and wrong in those doubles and that sort of thing. But why not be experimental with the offensive side of things? Go a little bit crazy um, and, and, and just throw some stuff out there. You know, put the ball in Mikhail's hands a little bit, throw Cam out there for, for whatever. So I think experimentation has been good by him. And it's something that we didn't really see a lot from Steve Nash in, in large portions. He was sort of, you know, the, the repetition is the, the, form of you know his best form of you know coaching but in saying that let's see how it goes going forward it looks like we'll be tied to him for a while you can only have our fingers and toes crossed that that assistant coaching staff you know come november is is a, is a good looking one october november but we mentioned cam thomas this is the grade that i think i found the most difficult putting because my irrational bias you know i think both of you and i are sort of like cam thomas we're stands for these guys that you know not a lot of other people are stands for and i think for me, let me just actually check because it's been a while since I looked at it. I put Cam Thomas as a B minus. Now, I think you could easily give it a C plus. You could give it anywhere in the Cs. I think B is probably the highest that he could get because if you're looking at that three-game stretch of 40-point 40, 40 games, like that was a special stretch of basketball from anyone, let alone a guy in his second year in the NBA. 
where how, how did you find this process of of assessing Cam and giving him your ultimate grade? This one was also hard because it almost feels like an incomplete where you don't really get to see a good sample size or at least a consistent sample size. Like so if we know in the games where Cam is scoring it's not to say scoring. In the games that Cam is averaging, you know, let's say 20 minutes a game, you see what type of offensive, you know, type of player he is, right? I'm just looking at some, just going through like some of his game logs, right? Like the 42 point, 42 minute game against Philly and I think the season ender, 46 points. Like you look at all his 40 point games, he was playing over 20 minutes. Uh, when he's playing over 20 minutes, it, it, it's just a different animal. But then when you relegate him to the bench and you're only giving him like five, six, seven minutes in a game, it's hard for any basketball player of any level to really catch a rhythm. And you're you're wanting him to do all these things, work within the offense and do all this other stuff. And it's like, I, 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 I totally understand that. But I also think there has to be an understanding of who Cam Thomas is as a basketball player. He's not a point guard. You have to stop. And I'm not saying that it's a, uh, Oh, he never should be. He should never be facilitating and things like that. Because we've seen him be able to facilitate. He has, I think, a pretty good rapport with Dayron Sharp. Ironic enough, as it is, um, he he's able to penetrate. He's able to feed the ball into the post. Yeah, sometimes he's a ball stopper. But remember, the kid is only twenty-one years old. Um, he's he's incomplete by any stretch of the meat any stretch of the imagination. And in a few years, we could be talking about a guy that's an all-star caliber guy, player, giving you twenty-four, twenty-five points per game. Um, I think maybe the fit wasn't the best for him on a team that had championship aspirations because it's kind of hard to really put in a rookie and somebody of his skill set on a team that has a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving uh, because the ball needs to be in their hands. Uh, it's it, it's tough. But if I had to give an overall grade, I'd probably be around the same uh, area as you, probably a B minus, just because, look, I, I, you have to see the kid in a consistent role. Right. We didn't know what Cam's role was on the team. I don't think the team knew what his role was, because if you're going to give him, you know, these these stretches of games where he gets 15 to 20 minutes and then all of a sudden it's four straight games where Cam's not even seeing the court. Well, then how is he supposed to get any type of rhythm? How is he supposed to ingratiate himself with his teammates? How are they supposed to know what his spots are? How is he he's supposed to know what their spots are? Right. You can only do so much in practice. Right. I know that the Nets are famous for their like stay ready group and the next man up mentality, but you can only, you can't. You can simulate as much as you want game in practice, but when, unless you're out there on the court in an actual game, it really doesn't do anything for you. You know, there's not there's no referees, there's no opposing team, there's no opposing coach putting a game plan against you. So, I would say, yeah, B minus for Cam. There are definitely things he has to improve on his ball handling. I like to see a little bit better. Obviously, a little bit better decision making. Sometimes his shot selection can be a bit erratic, but as we see, he's a very very good tough shot maker, and I don't think that you should hold that against him because look there's a lot of guys in the league that have that reputation of being tough shot makers he's to me right now he kind of comes off as a guy that could be a six man of the year type candidate um just as a spark plug almost like a jamal crawford type role come off the bench give me 20 points tonight energize the crowd uh maybe maybe a norman powell type role where he's coming off the bench but he's playing starter minutes and he's in those closing lineups down the stretch of games so B minus, I think, is a fair assessment. I know people will, will disagree, but, but you know what? It, if people are disagreeing, it's, it's cool because we're having this type of conversation. It means people care. Definitely. And I think that the one th- that was my probably biggest blood. As soon as the new duration of the Nets happened, one of my priorities was like, okay, 
Look, I, I want to make the playoffs. I want to make an impact in the postseason. But for me, it's more about the long-term development. You know, we saw that from Mikel Bridges. We saw that from Cam Johnson. We saw that from Nick Claxton. But we didn't get the opportunity to see that from Cam Thomas. And I think that's the most frustrating thing. We could have seen it. Like, maybe, should, like, Sean Mark definitely should have traded Seth Curry at the deadline. I don't know why that didn't happen. To me, I, I'm still scratching my head. He's probably not going to be a Brooklyn Net next year. And the Nets lose him and that asset in general. And I think he can impact another team. And he has shown points this season and in his Nets tenure that he's impacted the Brooklyn Nets in general. So for me, if you don't have Seth Curry in the rotation, as a general manager, it's like, okay, I'm forcing these guys out. So this means you have to kind of play this guy. You have to play Cam. You've got to play Yuta. You've got to play Edmund Sunday because, look, Joe Harris can only get so many minutes. Royce O'Neill can only get so many minutes. Spencer Dimity can only get so many minutes. So it's just like the opportunities were there, and I don't think they were given enough for us to go, okay, look, if, if Cam Thomas had have been awful defensively, continue that erratic, poor decision-making and, sh- and shot selection, I would have been like, okay, this grade I can you know, confidently say is a C minus D plus or whatever. But because we got the glimpses of the best and like, you know, the numbers of when he starts and when he plays, you know, 30 plus minutes are insane. You went through a couple of those games. We know those, that three game stretch where it's like him, LeBron James, and I think it might've been Will Chamberlain or Malcolm Jordan or one of the other sort of guys. Like when you're in that company and I think that there are so many guys that are getting paid because of, you know, the toughest skill I still think in NBA basketball is tough shot making, be able to hit those shots. And I think that it's about being able to balance that. And I think he's finding that. He needs to get the opportunities to find that. Can he be a Jordan Paul? Can he be a Jamal Crawford? Can he be a Jordan Clarkson? These sort of guys are, are, are can impact the game when, you know, you need scoring. And the Nets needed scoring quite a bit in the postseason and he wasn't given opportunities. And again, a lot of people are like, well, what's the point? Well, what's the point of just going with the same thing of Seth Curry, Joe Harris off the bench? Like, let's try some different and let's have a bit of fun with it because ultimately we know we're going to get you know losing five or six games ultimately got swept but if you get a a glimpse of throwing a young guy an opportunity when the lights are at their brightest and you get a moment or you get a sustained moment and you get a game that's something you can take going forward and i think that that was disappointing that we didn't see that yeah absolutely i mean even when he got into the game and i I believe game three came in in the first half you know did, did some good things gave a little spark offensively and then Game four, and you're seeing why is Seth Curry come off the bench first? Why is Patty Mills getting minutes ahead of Cam Thomas? And I think once those trades happened, right, at the deadline, when you move Kyrie, you move Kevin Durant, it becomes a case of, okay, the championship aspirations are out of the window. We should focus on getting some chemistry with these guys, seeing who can stick around for next season, who we want to build around, and developing players. Like, I just I didn't understand that aspect of not playing the younger guys, like I would have been totally fine if they're like, you know what, we're just going to, if you were to, if, if they were to say, we're going to kind of throw in, not say throw in the towel, but this is what our plan for the next, David Duke Jr. We're going to play Cam Thomas, play Dayron Sharp, just to see what these guys have for us. I don't think anybody would be too upset because you go into a situation where you're going into the playoffs again, outmatch outclassed, you know, no disrespect, but you'd probably be facing a Celtics, a Bucks or a Sixers team ultimately get swept. Um, so that was kind of that that was pretty uh disappointing in the fact that we just didn't really didn't get but it could also just be for the fact that we just don't have the right coaching staff and the the, the foundation around us to uh develop some of these guys so hopefully next year is, is a different story i'd love to have cam be more focused not to say more focused but more more of a a player that makes an impact on the nets moving forward for next season yeah, and giving him giving those opportunities because like we heard 
little trickling or tricklings of information from Adam Harrington, former Nets, you know, assistant coach about Cam Thomas and you know, weird cryptic stuff. Weird cryptic stuff. We know Cam Thomas was, you know, in last year's offseason, was apparently on the trading table. Maybe that had an effect. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We know that. You know, shit isn't funny when it comes to Cam Thomas, as he sort of said. You know, get those hoodies, get those T-shirts, guys. But, yeah, we could do it. We've been chatting for Cam Thomas for like 10, 15 minutes. It's a, a wonderful, fun discussion. And, you know, we might have to, to do it again and, and preview what it could come forward for him. But let's get on to a few other players. And I don't know who you want to get to next, Justin. I've got these guys on my list. We don't need to go through all of them. We've got Seth Curry. We've got Joe Harris, Paddy Mills, Darren Sharp, Edwin Sumner, Yuta Watanabe. And, look, I don't want to bring back the BS report, but I did have Ben Simmons written down. Don't know if I have a grade letter for him, but we went to all the other guys. Do you want to bash these out? How, how do you? How do we go about this? I'll do really quickly for you, Ben Simmons. F minus next. <laughs> <laughs> all right. BS report brought to you by Justin Thomas today. Um, but in, I think we can get to maybe the other guards like Seth Curry and, and Joe Harris. Those two guys can sort of be together because I think. Both of them, I don't want to be on the Brooklyn Nets next season. Their impact on the team, I don't know what no it way. will. So Seth Curry and Joe Harris, let's do though that those two as a duo, Justin. What did you give them as a grade? I gave Seth Curry a C. I gave Joe Harris a D. Maybe I was too high on Seth and too low on Joe, but look, Joe Harris in the playoffs, man, is one of the worst NBA players I've ever seen. I think it's at this point you have to give Joe like a D minus or an F because it doesn't really matter at this point what you do in the regular season. And I know he had a really, really good end to the season after the trades went, 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 uh, went, went through and he started picking up his three point shooting. It's like, all right, it's cool and all, but when it matters most, where is Joe Harris? And Joe Harris is nowhere to be found. I believe he shot under 10% from three in the uh in the first round like it, it was it was gross i'm not gonna lie it was it was gross it was one of the worst shooting performances i've seen and it was kind of the same old same old whether it was a 2019 series against the sixers the the series against the bucks or this year right his only really good playoff performance or series really came in that celtic series when i believe he shot like 54 percent from three that was when the nets big three was still healthy and he was just getting open looks after open looks there was you know, we have the whole the, the whole joke, you know, like when the, the lights are, are dim, Joe Harris shines, but when the lights are bright, he fades away. And look, this has just been the case year in and year out. Like we I know Joe has been one of the, he's is the longest tenured Brooklyn net. Uh he's been here for almost for forever, right? He's he's been through the rebuild, he's been through the the big three era. Now he's kind of here for the I guess post big three era, but at, at some point, you have to look look in the mirror and say, like, what is Joe Harris really providing this Nets team? Because if he's not going to be able to be playable in the playoffs, it's not even like it's all oh, his three-point shooting is off. He's still affecting the game defensively, or he's still getting to the basket. He wasn't doing any of those things. So if he's going to be a liability on defense, he can't shoot threes, you're basically playing four-on-five basketball with him on the floor in the playoffs. So unfortunately, I like – I. We love the guy. No, I've, I've written multiple articles on Joe Harris. I had like a whole meme about like days since like Joe Harris broke Nets Twitter or something like that. But at the end of the day, it might be one of those times where, you know, you got to put the sheep out to pasture and you might have to move on from Joe. So, yeah, I think a D a D minus F is the grade I'd go with for uh, for Joe. 
We'll finish off with maybe some quick thoughts, some quick grades. Paddy Mills, I gave a D. Darren Sharp, I gave a C plus. Edmund Sumner, a C plus. Yuta Watanabe, a C plus. And all three of those guys, apart from Paddy Mills, maybe I was a bit hard on him. I think I could maybe change it to like a C minus because I think what he contributed at, at different points was fine. His off the court stuff is is certainly valuable in, in certain respects. Give me a quick thoughts on the rest of the the rotation, the rest of the roster, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. I think Edmund Sumner, for for what he did, I'd give him a B plus. Uh, I thought the Nets should have utilized him more as another guard, another ball handler, especially after the trade, because after Spencer Dinwiddie, there was nobody else to really handle the basketball off the bench. And I, and we saw that in the games where the Nets had a depleted roster, right? That Pacers game, right? The Clippers game where Cam went off for 40. The uh, I believe the Suns game, the Wizards game. Like Edmund Sumner showed that he could be a a, a solid backup point guard. And the lack of use of him in the playoffs and down the stretch of the season was very concerning. But for what he showed, I give him a B plus. Yuta Watanabe, fan favorite, love that guy. I'm give, I still got to give him. I got to give him a B, right? I think he shined mostly when the stars were here, when Katie and Kyrie were were there. He was at one point he was probably like the best corner three point shooter in the entire league, shooting like over sixty percent on his corner threes. He couldn't miss, and then it kind of just teetered out. But he gives good energy. Another guy would would have loved to see more down the stretch of the season in the playoffs. He he's a guy that can re, can invigorate the crowd. You know, if Yuta Watanabe is getting a dunk, like the entire arena is going crazy, right? You know, if he's hitting two straight threes or he's getting a block, like everybody's going crazy. He's he looks like a good locker room guy. Everybody seems to love him. So B plus. Hope he's back with the Nets next season. Uh, let's see who else. Who else? We're going through the list here. We're going speed round. Dayron uh, Sharp. He's an he's an enigma. I gotta tell you, he's an enigma. Uh, gotta go with the C, solid C for for Dayron. He just feels incomplete right now. He shows spurts and stretches where it's like, all right, Dayron Sharp can be an NBA player and a very solid role player for the Nets. And then there's other times where it's like, oh my God, Dayron Sharp has he ever touched a basketball in his life? This is ridiculous. Like he can't catch. He got little hands. Like he can't move. He's always fouling. Like what is he doing out there? So. But then you have the games where it's like, wow, Dayron Sharp got 17 rebounds? Like, what? when did this happen? So, again, he's a project-type player. I give him a C, uh, maybe with a, a, a better training camp, maybe a more developmental staff. He he he, he improves. I mean, we saw it with, with, with Jared Allen, right? You, we can see improvements of centers uh, on this team. And obviously, Jared Allen took an even greater step once he went to the Cavs. But, you know, if Dayron can – take maybe just even a small toddler step, right? And just become a serviceable, serviceable backup big for Nick Claxton, right? That would be huge because then you can be able to play him in series against a Joel Embiid because he has more girth. He has more muscle than Claxton. He can bang with some of these bigger centers. So, you know, see, like I said, C for, for Dayron. Uh, he just feels like a more incomplete type guy, but there is potential there. Um, yeah, the, that said, those, all those thoughts completely pertinent, totally on the point. Just want to one thought on Dayron Sharp because I think you, you hit the nail on the head with you to Watsonabe, you know, fan favorite for me. Love Edmund Sumlin, the comeback story for him, coming off the Achilles injury. But with Dayron Sharp, we're seeing rebounding have a massive impact in this postseason. And Dayron Sharp is 
probably you know a top five offensive rebounding big man in the NBA already. It's about the other things, and we saw glimpses of that in the latter ends of the season when the Nets started to sign like you know the New Orleans Noel and you know all these sort of guys. And I'm like, okay, we're getting something here, and I think that's a positive sign moving forward. How he continues to impact defensively and just be a serviceable big man, you know, Paul Reed sort of type. You know, you know it, it, those guys do matter, and the Nets do need rebounding. They need size. Maybe Darren Sharp is. Not the full answer to the question, but maybe part of it. He's at least one part of it. So intriguing to see how it all goes forward for uh, Daron Sharp as well as all those other guys. We'll see how the roster is in a couple of weeks, couple of months' time. But any final thoughts, Justin? Final thoughts. Um, I do want to shout out David Duke Jr. I, I thought he could have gotten maybe a little bit more of an opportunity. I really like his game. He just gives a great – He just gives. he's just got a good motor, and you can't teach that. You can't teach heart. You can't teach hustle. He's somebody that provides that. Um, won't go into Drew Smith or Raekwon Gray because I really. I'll give it Raekwon Gray an A. I love that final game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We're getting but... really searching for content if we're diving deep into Drew Smith and Alondis Williams and Raekwon Gray. But David Drew Jr., like the shout out. I think it, we know he what the top. Yeah, he, he does he deserve. deserves it, man. Like he, he works hard. I mean, I know he was like an all G League selection. This year, so you know, you, you know he's hungry. Uh, just hopefully, he gets a chance with, with with the Nets next season. But you know what? This has been, uh, as always, this has been fun breaking down. And I'm pretty sure people are going to disagree and and be very angry with me and my uh, analysis and and ratings. But again, like I said earlier, it's it means that everybody loves Nets basketball. Everybody has an opinion, and it's it, it's good to have this type of conversation and dialogue and things like that. The discourse can be fun, and make sure you're hitting up his DMs, Justin Thomas. That's the guy, Justin Thomas 24. Find him, argue with him about his grades. Mine are all perfect. But as always, Justin, it's a goddamn pleasure. Thank you very much, Nets World. We'll be back with the Brooklyn Buzz very soon. Follow us on all streaming platforms and five stars if you can. Thank you very much. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.